go ahead and get started. Amen. We have been spending time over the past few months in Sunday school studying the art of discipleship. Now, discipleship involves the ability to communicate the gospel effectively to those who desire to learn more about a relationship with Jesus Christ and also, in addition to that, to be able to come alongside those who are believers in Jesus with encouragement, instruction, and accountability. Both of these actions, these practices, are spirit-driven through both your desire to serve Jesus and through the enabling and guiding power of the Holy Spirit. Your ability to serve requires preparation, including preparatory study, and this involves the practice of living daily in God's image. Please, if you will, uh, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Let's take a look at verses 26 and 27. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to be reading uh, from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Please follow along with your version. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Now, being created... In the likeness of God is a big deal. That's a big deal. And we need to understand that. In Matthew chapter 10, it talks about you are worth much more than many sparrows. Well, that's, that's an analogy that certainly holds true here. You're worth much more in God's eyes than all of his creation. You are the highest honor of his creation. Created to do what? Rule over everything he created. And we were created not just for that purpose, but to be in the family of Jesus Christ, who is also in the image of God. And you can reference that in 2 Corinthians 4.4. Take a look at Hebrews. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1. And we're going to look at the first three verses in Hebrews. Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. Again from the Holman version. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe 
through him. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And note this, the exact expression of his nature. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So with these verses in mind, living in his image is a great responsibility. A great responsibility. To live in the image of God, in his image, is to live in a Christ-like manner according to his will, his purpose, and his glory. That's how he wants you to live. He wants you to live in a Christ-like manner according to his will, according to his purpose, and according to his glory. Flip over to Romans 12.2. We'll be covering a few verses today, so just want you to make a note of this. Because everything we're speaking about here today is scripturally sound and can be reinforcing what we're talking about here. In order for you to live in his image, you have to be subject to change. You are under construction. That's what you are as a believer. You're still under construction. There are changes that have to occur in your life in order for you to live in a Christ-like manner. You can't come and live in a Christ-like manner and still allow the flesh to rule over you. Amen? Amen? The flesh cannot be the one that rules over you. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Romans 12, 2 says this very clearly. Do not be conformed to this age, which is very easy to do. Amen? You can be conformed to what's going on in this crazy world we live in, but Christ is challenging you not to do that. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Why should you allow this transformation? So that you'll know God is working in your life. You'll know what his will is for your life. You'll know what his purpose is for your life. You'll know what his plan is for your life. Now that takes some effort. That takes effort. It doesn't happen overnight. But allowing yourself to be transformed and having your mind renewed takes effort. You have to say, I'm willing to do that. You have to say, I'm willing to be transformed. Flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 15. And we'll be reading from Pastor Travis's favorite version, the English Standard Version. Amen? Amen. I go back and forth. I go the Holman Bible, I go the ESV. They're both great versions. 1 Peter 2.15. Now look what it says, everybody. 
For this is the will of God. Here's a declaration right in front of you. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's God's will. Because you're doing what you should be doing in Christ. You will shut other people up who choose not to follow Christ. Amen? That's pretty important, don't you think? You have to make a distinction in this world. With all the noise in the world today where people are hollering and screaming, fighting, breaking things, doing things, don't you think it's important for you as a believer to do what's right? Set the example before others. Do what's right. Do the right thing. One more, real quick. Romans 8, 28. Now, we know what Romans 8, 28 says, but I'm going to read 29. Sometimes it's a good idea to take a verse that we're usually familiar with and also add another verse to it to give it additional context. So Romans 8, 28 and 29. Sometimes Romans 8.28 by itself doesn't always make it, especially if you've got somebody who's struggling. They sometimes want to see more than that. In other words, if someone's having a hard time, you don't come back to that person and say, well, necessarily it's going to work out for good for you, because that may not be what that person needs to hear. But we need to understand what the totality of the scripture says here. Romans 8, 28 and 29, again from the Holman version, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, look at the rest of this. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, And those he justified, he also glorified. So we need to take the totality of those two verses together and understand that your purpose in life ultimately is to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? That's your purpose. That's the takeaway from this. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's happening, no matter what you're experiencing, and we've all experienced things, But ultimately, you're here for the purpose of glorifying God. Jesus Christ is the one who is being glorified. You are glorifying God with your presence. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Through faith. Faith is necessary. You are all in God's family because of your faith and belief in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The word image, and that refers to the handout again, is an acronym of the characteristics of a believer of Jesus Christ living a Christ-like existence. This is what you would need to do to live a Christ-like existence. And this is all preparation. Preparation and then acting out. I 
the letter I is to investigate scripture, not just to read it. It's more than reading it. It's digging deep into his word. Really getting into it. Not just scratching the surface. A true person who wants to live Christ's life has to get deeper into the word. The letter M is to meditate on his word in prayer. Prayer is an important element of this, but not just prayer, but even meditating on it. Scripture talks about meditating on his word day and night. The letter A is to act on his word in consistency and with obedience. Acting on what you've learned and read. Going out and living your life. Amen? Going out and living your life. Acting on his word. The letter G is to grow in your faith and mature as the Holy Spirit continues to impart wisdom and knowledge along with your life experiences. We all have life experiences. You win some, you lose some. But that's part of growth. God is teaching you. Even through the times when we stumble and fall. There's a lesson to be learned somewhere. That's growth. That's very positive. The experience itself may not be very positive, but you've learned something from it. You can learn from anybody. You may have heard me say this before. You can learn from a fool. You can learn how not to be like that person. You always can learn something. And the letter E is to endure life's moments and shine before others to glorify God. Not just moments when things are going great, but moments when things are really tough. And we've heard about some tough things going on recently. Not to pick on me personally or, or my wife personally, but we've had a little, little go of it here for the last two and a half years. Between her father, my mother, and now her mother. So we've had a go of it. But we're enduring. God is the one who is enabling us to have the strength and the ability to go from day to day and do thing after thing that needs to be done. And not to get ahead of ourselves, but every day is an adventure. Amen? Amen. Another aspect of growing as an effective disciple for Jesus Christ incorporates this past year's introduction in our seminar, of effective decision-making as a believer. You know what kills most believers sometimes? Bad decisions. Bad decisions. Lousy decision-making. Because they're trusting on the flesh and not on Jesus Christ. We've seen it happen. It wrecks relationships it wrecks sometimes a teenager where their life has just been made much more difficult because of bad decisions. This is a very, very important aspect of making sure that we pay attention to making sure that we're making good decisions. It's not just teenagers. Adults mess up too. Amen? Lord have mercy. It's not just for teenagers. Adults make bad decisions too. And sometimes those decisions are very costly and damaging of testimonies. Decision-making is really important. 
Now, this decision-making we discussed involves making a pact with Jesus Christ. What is a pact? It's an agreement. It's a commitment. It's a commitment that you're going to do the things necessary to say, Lord, I'm going to pay attention to you first. I know what my flesh says, and I don't want to do that. I know what my heart says, but what does God say about our hearts? Sometimes they're deceptively wicked. We need to defer to Christ's wisdom in decision-making. It's a commitment. A commitment to make the best life choices in obedience to honor God and cherish his word. So now in your handout, the word PACT is an acronym for how to be an effective decision maker as you live for Christ, for Jesus Christ. The letter P is for prayer. Go to Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 real quick. Philippians 4. Verses 6 and 7. Very, very familiar verses. Amen? Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is exactly what Pastor Travis was talking about. Prayers of petition, prayers of supplication, prayers for other people, Prayers for yourself. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Prayer is a very important aspect of decision making. If you're not praying, there is very likely you're going to blow it with a decision. Now that's how Christ wants you to think. That's how Christians should be thinking. The world doesn't talk about prayer in making decisions. They do whatever they want to do. But you as a believer should be praying about every decision you make that's major. Buying a car, buying a house, how to invest your money. Prayer should be an important element of that. And God will give you peace that you're going in the right direction. That's what you need to see and understand. The letter A is to ask God for wisdom within your decision making. In Matthew 7 it says, ask and you'll receive it. Seek it and you'll find it. Knock and the door will be open to you. Amen? Ask him. Be specific with your prayers. Should I do this or shouldn't I do this? And the letter C is to consult others who can offer their good advice or wisdom to you before you make a decision. You know that God puts people in your life for this very purpose? Amen? God puts people in your life to help you sometimes with tough decisions. God sends people to give you good advice. A wise person listens and pays attention. And not just ask for ways to affirm the way I'm thinking. Sometimes the way they're thinking is the better way to go. Consult. Talk to people. The letter T is to trust in Jesus to provide you with the best advice as you make your decisions. 
after all is said and done, you have to trust him. Trust him that you're going the right direction. Trusting is a big deal. Many of us as believers lack trust in God's word. We lack trust in what he tells us, and then you wonder why you've gone the wrong way. Making the right decisions in life will help you to remain consistently obedient. Notice how I said consistently obedient. It's one thing to be obedient once in a while. It's another thing to be obedient every other week. Is that really doing anything? Consistently obedient means it's a day-by-day process that you truly are living Christ-like. Consistently obedient. You shouldn't be like you're going up and down a mountain all the time. I'm going up a mountain. I'm at the top of the mountain. Going down in a valley again. Up at the top of the mountain again. Oh, I'm in a valley again. No, that's no. That's not really effective, consistent living for Christ. Stuff's going to happen to you, yes. But you've got to be bigger than that. Be obedient. Trust the Lord. You've got to be better than that. Satan will beat you down. Are you going to let him keep beating you down? Or are you going to get back up? The Holy Spirit is going to help you conform to living as Jesus desires for you to live. It helps you to go beyond what only the world or even the flesh offers. You should be better than what the world is doing. Amen? Your life should be going much better than what the world has to offer you. Much better. Way better. If it's not, time for some introspection. Time for some personal evaluation. Jesus Christ is telling you over and over again, you're better than that. You're better than that. Remember, you were created in his image. You're better than that. And here's what I mean about doing more than what the world does. Take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. And sometimes people look at this verse and say, Oh, that's bad. I don't know. I can't do well. Well, then you ain't trying. You ain't trying. If you can't do it, then you ain't trying hard enough. You are, then you've allowed yourself to be a victim of the world. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. Sorry about that. I know you're waiting for the verse. 43 through, 40, 43 through 48. In Leviticus chapter 11, it talks about loving your neighbor. Your neighbor is the person that you hang around with, the person who next, lives next door to you, who's always a part of you. And you should be loving your neighbor. Amen? Amen? Amen. Everybody listen? Amen. Amen. Love your neighbor. Jesus Christ takes it one step further. He is not saying not to love your neighbor. In fact, love your neighbor. Absolutely, but go further than that. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now, what is he saying? To go one step further, to be sons of your Father in heaven, you have to love your enemies and pray for them, even as they spit on you. Call you names. Dog you out. Play the dozens. Whatever. Love your enemies. Y'all know what I mean by playing the dozens, don't you? Yeah. Name calling. No, used to goof around in the schoolyard and call names. Oh, you're so and so. You know, yo, blah blah, mama, this and all that. Well, obviously, when you get older, it can get a lot worse than that. Especially if you're a believer and there's a person in front of you who hates God. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Great question. If you're always loving folks who love you, what's the big whoop about that? That's easy. Jesus challenges us to go further than that. Don't even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same. Here's what you should pay attention to. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus Christ is challenging you to go one step further and be perfect. Challenge yourself. Go outside of yourself. And strive for perfection. Strive for perfection. That's what he wants from all of us. We're under construction. We're still learning about this perfection thing. Now, perfection, we're going to mess up because we're in the flesh. But that doesn't mean you don't try to be the best. The best. You try to be the best. You try for perfection. That's what Christ wants you to strive for. You go the extra mile and do the things that maybe even average people won't do. Pray for your enemies is one of them. He wants you to have the mind of Christ because those people, just like he sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous, those people were created by God too. He wants you to have a heart to pray for those people that he created because you want to see those people get what? Saved! No matter what they're doing to you. Remember, you're here to glorify God. And ultimately, everyone's going to say, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Better to do it here now while you're alive than do it later on if you don't know the Lord. Still going to declare him as Lord. These principles are all reinforced with Scripture, and the effort of preparation makes for better practitioners as servants of Jesus Christ. This is a practice that you have. Just like a doctor opens up 
and has a practice. Just like a lawyer puts out a shingle and they have a practice of practicing law. You are practitioners of being servants of Jesus Christ with this preparation that we have. It's a practice. Doctors get new information based upon technology, advances in the field. Guess what? You're doing the same thing. You're getting more information. You're learning more about Jesus Christ every day. The Holy Spirit is teaching you. You should know more today than you knew two years ago. Amen? Amen? You should know more today than you knew two years ago about how to do this practice, how to live in a Christ-like manner. The Holy Spirit gives us the energy and the effort that we need to be successful. We can't be successful without the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Spirit gives us success in this area. Now, your preparation is very, very important in this process of growth and development. In your relationship with Christ. You are developing your relationship with Christ... By doing this reading, studying, living out your life, living in a Christ-like manner. In the same way an athlete has to undergo training in order to participate at a high level in sport, we have to have a healthy diet. We've got to take care of our bodies. We've got to eat the right foods. There are things that you have to do to live to your fullest capability. Amen? I heard one amen for that. Amen. Thank you. Now, that's bad if the children are louder than the adults. Don't let them outshout you. We've got to prepare to serve Christ in order to be our best. But there's another important reason why we prepare to be effective practitioners of discipleship. The ongoing preparation, very important, should also provide you with a greater insight into the character of God and an even greater desire, as you learn more about him, to serve him in everything that you do. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Notice he uses the word all things through Christ. Well, what's the limitation of all things? There's no limitation. That's everything. I can do all things through Christ. You can do anything through Christ. He's the one who is enabling you and giving you the strength. He is giving you the ability. Serving Jesus Christ is not a hobby. Just because you go to church once a week doesn't make it a hobby. Serving Jesus Christ is not a hobby. It is a full-time endeavor. Amen? Serving Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of your participation in his great commission. The great commission. You are learning how to participate effectively in the great commission. When you read Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20, it shouldn't blow you out of the water. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. How in the world am I going to do that? Well, guess what? If you're living in a Christ-like manner, you're doing it every day. Shouldn't blow you out of the water. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be daunting to hear that. All the world starts right where you are right now. 
If you travel on vacation, guess what? That's where you are right then. If you go to London or if you go to Paris, that's where you're at right now. You're in the world anyway. I think a lot of people get hung up on that because they think they have to be a missionary. No, you are a missionary. You're right here. You're doing the work right now. You've got all kinds of folks right out here in Akron who need to hear the Lord speak to them. Through you. Serving Jesus Christ is an expression of your love for him and your desire to bring everything you learn about him into everything that you do. Everything that you do. Now, use that as a marker. Think about that. Because, again, we're saying it's not a hobby, not part-time, it's full-time. So it basically encompasses everything that you do, you live and experience. Everything that you do. So your preparation of participation, those are big words, preparation of participation, in ministry for Christ should be an ongoing process that reveals to you how you are capable of serving him. Do you know how you are capable of serving him? That is a yes or no question. If you can answer yes, you're that much further ahead. If you answer no, it's time for you, guess what, to figure it out. Figure it out. There is much to learn about him, and you're going to find that there is much to learn about yourself, too. On the bottom of the handout, I have that little green space or whatever color it printed yesterday. It says, discover you. Find your passion, life purpose, and take action. That's really important for you to know what you're all about. As you get to know more about Jesus Christ... The sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit is going to mold and shape you into what I would like to believe is a better you. A better you. A better person. That's why we're doing this stuff. If there's, if there's no improvement, if the Spirit's not sanctifying you, if there's nothing going on in your life, then you're stuck. You're stuck. You should be a better you. Now, this isn't psychobabble. You're renewing your mind. You're transferring yourself by getting your mind renewed. There are things that God has to do to you to get, make you a better person. Throwing off the old stuff, living in the new way. We got a lot of old stuff that we're carrying around. A lot of old stuff. A lot of baggage. Your mind has to be renewed to do what? Overcome that baggage. Overcome the baggage and make yourself a better person. The baggage is what holds you back. The baggage is what keeps you from really serving Jesus Christ. That's what holds you back. And we all have baggage. Amen? We all do. We have baggage before we became believers.
It is as this occurs that you get to know more of who you really are in Christ. This is much better than who you are in the flesh. Amen? Much better. Or who you thought you were before and even after you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. It is the Spirit's sanctifying power that reveals his wisdom and knowledge about yourself and who you are in Christ. Until you learn who you are in Jesus Christ, you will always be searching for something. Just like a person who is a non-believer. They're always looking for something to fill that void in their life. But guess what? If you don't even figure it out as a believer, you're always going to be looking for something. And some of it ain't going to be too cool. Until you figure it out, you're always going to be looking for something. Lord, why am I here? Lord, what am I doing? What's going on? You've got to figure that out. But make sure that you're seeking the Lord and what you're figuring out and not just going after anything. You're going to be looking for something, but make sure whatever it is you're looking for, that Christ is bringing it to you through the Holy Spirit. Once you learn who you are, you will find your purpose in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants you to find your purpose. He wants you to do that. He's not holding that back from you. He wants you to discover what your purpose is in Christ. But you have to do the discovering. He will reveal it to you if you seek him out. He wants you to discover your purpose. Know that. Understand that. Don't forget that. You will be compelled, when you find out what your purpose is, to live openly and actively for Christ. You will find your passion in Jesus Christ. Your passion. That's what you need. In order for you to live and be your best, you have to have a passion behind it. Now I'll throw out the example of roller skating just for fun. But those of us who love roller skating want to keep roller skating. You know why? It's a passion. We can talk about the conditions of the floor. We can go to different rinks and say, you know, this floor is all bumpy and you're rubbing, you know, when you're, when you're running all over it. Or it's a smooth floor. And we talk about the surface and we talk about being careful you don't slip. But some of us like to dance. Some of us like to step. Some of us like to go real fast because we love it. It's a passion. And we've been doing it for years. A long time. Amen? Amen. Amen. But it's a passion. Now, with that kind of passion, we do our best at it. We don't just mess around with it. We're not still just learning how to skate like this. We actually have balance. We're actually able to move around a little bit. Amen. Because we wanted to learn. You know, you get the peanut butters, the old skates, you know, that they, you rent out, and you don't want those anymore. You want your own skates. That's right. It's a passion. I'm telling you this. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, need to recognize what your passion is in Christ. 
to be your best, to discover who you are, so that you realize what your purpose is. For those who are, haven't checked out on me, that are still uncertain about all this devotion over Jesus Christ, it's important for you to know and understand that Jesus Christ lived on this earth and gave his life for you. He gave his life for you. He paid the ultimate price to sacrifice himself because he loved you. He demonstrated through his death on the cross that he loves you. He showed that he is passionate about you. All right, turn to John chapter 3. Look at John 3, verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 by itself is great. Verse 17, again, we're doing the same thing we did before with Romans 8, 28 and 29. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17. See them in this totality. Because you need to see why Christ did what he did. It's not enough to say that he did it. We also need to see why he did it. John 3, verses 16 and 17. English Standard Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's a very important verse for you to recognize. He did it. He wants to see everyone get saved. Now, will everyone get saved? No. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't do it because he loves everyone. That's why you should love your neighbor, pray for your enemies. Same principle. Having a passion for what Christ did is what you should be doing when you live your life in a Christ-like manner. So what this is all about is how you, in learning more about Jesus Christ, recognize the passion of living for Jesus Christ that he has for you. Flip over to Galatians chapter 2. Another verse to take a look at. Verse 20. Galatians 2.20. You need to have a passion for who this Jesus Christ is so that you can discover what he truly wants you to do with your life. And guess what? As long as you're living and breathing, you're not done. I don't care how old you are. It has nothing to do with how old you are. As long as you have life and breath, you've got an opportunity before you. You have an opportunity before you to discover that passion. Galatians 2.20, again from the English Standard Version. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, which is your spiritual worship. Christ living within you. That does mean something. There's a responsibility that comes with that. It means something. What are you passionate about? Ask yourself, what are you passionate about? What do you really 
really care about? Think about that. What are you passionate about? What do you really, really care about? If you are seeking Jesus Christ, you will eventually learn what you are passionate about. Some people like to work in assisted living. Some people dedicate themselves to working and taking care of people who have Alzheimer's. And that's a tough job. But they do it willingly and they do it well and it's a blessing. You're going to find that there are things that you like to do and there are things that you like to do more than other things. But following Christ will reveal your passion. Your passion is rooted by what? Your gifts. What are your gifts? Your gifts consist of God-given talents, God-given gifted talents, and your spiritual gifts if you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's what he created you to be. Whatever those gifts are, whatever those talents are, that's who you are. Remember how they always have these tests to take a test about what are your spiritual gifts? You know what? You don't need a test to know what your spiritual gifts are. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can speak to you and tell you what your gifts are. If you're asking him, Lord, what are my gifts? He will show you. He will show you. You don't need to take a test for it. If you want to take a test, you'll say, oh, you might surprise yourself. But if you're really speaking to the Lord and going to him every day and praying about something like this, he'll tell you what they are. You'll know what they are. I mean, that's what this relationship thing is all about. Having a relationship with Jesus Christ means he's going to speak to you through the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell you what your gifts are. He ought to know, amen, he created you. He ought to know. Let's be clear about something here. You can have all kinds of God-given talent and even spiritual gifts and still not realize your passion. You know why? You're not using your gifts or talents. You're not asking the Lord what they are. You're not asking the Lord what to do. You can have all kinds of talent. You can have all kinds of stuff going for you. But if you're not talking to the Lord about it, you're not using it to the best of your ability. You have to use these talents and gifts with the understanding that God has given them to you and that you want to serve him with all your heart and soul. Sometimes that's the tough part. Sometimes we don't really know how to say, Lord, I want to serve you with all my heart and all my soul. You know why? Because the flesh is niggling at you. You still have things that you want to do for the flesh. Only then, when you allow yourself to say, Lord, I want to do everything that you've given me with all my heart and soul, that's when you're going to have this passion thing down pat. You'll know who you are. There's no better feeling in the world than to know that you're doing what God would have you to do. There's no better feeling than that. You can't even describe that feeling. You can't put words into it. When you know you're doing exactly what God would have you to do, there's no better feeling. Now, without this passion, I'm sorry to say, you're not really living your life in the way that God would like you to see it. 
there's more to do. You haven't reached your fullest potential. He wants you to recognize your passion. Sure, you're doing more than just existing. You know, but not much more than that. Let's be honest about that. You know, you might be helping people out. You might be loving someone, caring for them. You might be giving of yourself. You might even go through your entire life in church serving others. However, you can still be unsatisfied with the direction of your life, even after all that. Go to church all your life, doing little things here, little things there. But you can still be unsatisfied. Because you're not just doing stuff just to do it. You're doing stuff because God is leading you to do it and giving direction to do it and helping you to discover what you really should be doing. Ask yourself this question. How can I live, here it comes, the abundant life, the abundant life that God promises for me? That's what this passion is. Living the abundant life. Not just any life. The abundant life. Pastor Gus did it again this morning. Use the verse that I'm using. Go to John chapter 10, verse 10. He did it again. He didn't know it. Had all those verses to pick out on the page. He picked this one out. John 10.10 Understand that your potential is that God wants you to live the best way you possibly can. Not just half-stepping when it comes to this faith stuff. Because a lot of us, I'll be honest with you, half-step. We don't give it our all. We just do a little bit here, a little bit there. Doing what we think is going to get us brownie points. Doing what we think is going to impress God. Amen? How are you going to impress God? Amen? How do you impress God? He's waiting for you to do even better than what you've been doing. He's waiting for you to do more than what you have done. John 10.10, Holman version. A thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come so that you may have life, but not just life, but have it in abundance. Not just living your life, not just existing. Living an abundant life is what he wants for you. You can live the abundant life with passion by seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Seek him first. First. Seek him first. And all that goes with it. Righteousness. That's what goes with it. And all these things will be added to you. If you seek him first with all righteousness, he will give that right back to you. That's from Matthew 6.33. Do you realize if you seek the Lord, he actually gives you indicators you're going in the right direction. 
The moment you take a step towards him, he acknowledges it in different ways. He gives you guidance through the Spirit every time you take a step towards him. You can live the abundant life with passion by presenting yourself as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service or worship. Romans 12.1 Acceptable. Living, holy sacrifice. That's what the image thing is all about. Living in a Christ-like manner. Living in a way that you're acceptable before God. You can live the abundant life of passion by humbling yourself before God and allowing yourself to be teachable. Be teachable. I know I've used that word several times, but if you're not teachable, no one can talk to you. No one can say anything to you. You know everything. I know what I'm doing. You can't say nothing to me and have an attitude on top of that. Amen. Everybody here knows what I'm talking about. You can't tell me nothing. I read the Bible. I studied it. I know what it says. Yeah, but are you living the abundant life? Or are you just talking a bunch of talk? Amen. You got to be teachable. You have to humble yourself. You had to humble yourself when you declared yourself in need of a Savior. You had to humble yourself when you had to get down on your knees and say, Lord, help me. That's humbling yourself. You have to be teachable. Your mind cannot be renewed or transformed if you're not teachable. Here's another example of reading more than one verse. Go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. We love to quote Jeremiah 29, 11. I don't know, as I was preparing this, this thing, I'm looking at all these different verses saying, yeah, we can't leave this other stuff out. This is important to cover. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, it's great that God has a plan for your life. Are you living God's plan for your life? He knows what the plan is for you. Are you living in that plan? You're here for a reason and a purpose. Are you living in his plan? He knows what the plan is. That's what the scripture says. Verse 29, or pardon me, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans, this is the English Standard Version, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's a big deal! You have a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. Now listen, now look at this now. You will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. That's important for you to see. There are things that you have to do to recognize God's plan for your life. You've got to go to Him and pray to Him and ask Him and He will give you what you need. 
He'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. You see how all three of those verses have to work together? It's great that God has a plan for you, but you've got to go and ask him about that plan. You've got to go and find out what that plan is. He's going to answer you. A lot of folks don't bother to ask. I'm just going to live my life. I'll do what I want to do. I don't care what God has for me. I know what's better. Do you really? Do you really? You're not living up to your potential then. If you do it your way. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's what God wants you to do. Seek him with all your heart. If you make the effort to seek God, he will affirm your efforts. He will show you you're going in the right direction. Sometimes the blessings come when you just take the steps to live for him. Just be obedient to him, for goodness sake. Follow what his word says. He'll affirm you. You're going in the right direction. Living in his image, making a pact with Jesus, and discovering passion as you live out your life purpose. There can be nothing more fulfilling than when you learn your passion as you live for Jesus Christ. There's nothing more fulfilling than that. When you know what you know, you're going to be a bad brother or sister. When you know what you know, you're just going to do it. You're going to live it. You're going to proclaim it. And everybody will see it. They'll see the confidence that you have, that you know that you're living passionately for Christ. That's your project for this year. That's your homework assignment. To figure out and discover what your passion is in Christ. In this new year, make a personal commitment to discover your passion. Jesus Christ wants you to see how you can live the abundant life. The abundant life. There's more to do. Still under construction, but not much further to go. Ask him. He'll give it to you. Amen? Father, we thank you that you are ever-present in our lives, that you give us the desire to seek you. And Lord, we know there's much to do as far as preparation. But Lord, thank you for affirming us every time we take a step towards you. Thank you for reminding us how you can guide us, transform our minds, help us to do things like pray for our enemies because we're seeking after you. Doing the very things that Christ would have us to do, as he did when he was here. He prayed for his enemies. We thank you for those lessons. We thank you for the opportunities that we can take part in. We know there's work to do as far as discovering who we are in you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the desire to seek you and find that passion that you would have us to have.
Lord, that would be a joyous occasion when we truly discover who we are in Jesus Christ. And we know that nothing can hold us back as we remain faithful and obedient to you. We ask all these things and we give you thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen.